Okay, um, you all should have a copy of the outline that we're going to use tonight. Uh, let's see. The title is very obvious. Uh, we're talking about the two trees, and of course, it has to be the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so remember there are these two trees on the scripture. And depending on time, we will get um, on a number of points on these two trees and how these apply to us. But I would like to do is uh, go through the verses with you and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the Word. Okay? That's why you have there a set of key verses. So Genesis 2.9, how about you go ahead and read? Go. Okay, so underline good for food and underline the tree of life. You have to remember these expressions. God is not wasting words here. He is very economical with the, the words he uses. And just remember these phrases, good for food, the tree of life. Okay? Um, both trees are mentioned in this verse, Genesis 2.9. Then how about this side of the room? Read verse 16 and then this side, verse 17. Go. Underline or encircle the three times the verb eat is in these verses. I hope you're starting to get the picture. This message has no intention, and I am very much in fear and trembling to give you a lot of knowledge concerning these two trees. If even a third of people in this room will begin to eat the tree of life on a daily, regular, consistent manner, I think God and I, we will be very happy. Okay? So, the tree of life is good for food, is good to eat. And how about we go ahead with Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. Again, this section 19, and the other side 20. Go. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I Underline the words, and your seed, which is life, not just for our sake, but for the sake of others, for the sake of our seed, for the sake not only of our physical seed, but also our spiritual seed, those I and you are caring for. 
It really matters if we choose life, okay? Of course, we will see God is not forcing us into something, but uh, openly. He's telling us what is his desire, that we will choose life. And then the verse 19 does not end there. There is a comma there. And how do we choose life? In loving Jehovah your God. The, the safest way, right, the prevailing way to be a person who chooses life is in loving Jehovah your God. And this love is by two things. Listening to his voice. You love his word. The Lord, the Lord Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my words. You love, you, you love to hear his, his words, okay? And holding fast to him. Just hold fast. Depend on him, right? Hold on to him. Don't let him go, okay? Don't be apart from him. For he is your life and the length of your days, okay? Then we have uh, Romans 8, 6. Have a world together. Go. For the mind of the flesh is death, and the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Okay, this verse, Paul wrote, and it describes a triangular situation we will get into in a few minutes. That triangular situation has moved into us. And it is all too real. Okay? Then 2 Corinthians 3, 6b. Go. Even this, the, the scripture, if taken in the wrong way, may kill us. When you come to the Bible, you will have a Bible. Right? I hope you have one. Right? This Bible may be to you a tree of knowledge of good and evil or a tree of life. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So depending how you come to this book, it will be to you a tree of knowledge or a tree of life. Okay? The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Okay. Then we have... I like these verses because this is the consummation. This is the final end, the destination of everything related to, attached to, uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's the end. Revelation 20, verses 10 and 14, do the same thing. Verse 10 on this side, go. Okay, that's the destination. That's the ultimate consummation of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And everything that relates to it is the lake of fire. But praise the Lord, there is another consummation. And that's for those related to the tree of life like us. Okay, Revelation 22, verse 1, this side, go. And he shows a river of water of life, bright as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the land in the middle of his street. And? On this side and on that side of the river was a tree of life, producing twelve fruits, yielding its fruit 
Oh, this, this consummation is wonderful. Listen, in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life was outside. But in Revelation 22, the tree of life got in. It's inside the city. It's inside of this corporate entity called the New Jerusalem. The tree of life got in. This is the city of the tree of life. This is the city of God, the city of life, and that is our destination. And these fruit, these trees producing fruits, right, for our enjoyment. So, if we are going to do that for eternity, why not start now? And that's what God wants to gain among us. Where are the enjoyers? Okay? The ones who will eat and enjoy the tree of life. And the next verse is wonderful. I hope you remember this one. How about all together? Blessed. It says, Blessed are those who wash their robes. Robes in the Bible indicate our conduct. If our conduct is wrong, you know what? God has uh, made a provision. The blood of Christ. We wash our robes in the blood of Christ so that, so that we will have the right to eat the tree of life. The Bible from the beginning to the end is a book about eating. Okay? You can see the Bible in different, many different ways. You can trace life throughout the scriptures. You can trace building throughout the scriptures. God, you can trace the divine romance throughout the scriptures, right? Well, you can trace eating. Eating. You know, if you, if you and I were in the Garden of Eden right now, you know what is our focus? You know what should we be doing? Eating. And guess what the serpent did? He distracted man exactly from that very point. Eating. If you and I are in the... Let me move forward into the Bible. Now we're in Exodus. If, we, if you and I are in Egypt, and it's the day of the Passover, what are we going to be doing? Eating the Passover lamb. That tree, because of man's condition in Egypt became a lamb to be sacrificed and to be eaten. Now, let me move forward. We're in the wilderness. We cross the Red Sea. Now we're in the wilderness. What are we doing? We are eating manna. God sent breath from heaven 40 years to feed us, to change our constitution. Right? He is the first dietitian. You are what you eat. So you brought Egypt with you in your constitution. Over 400 years of eating Egyptian diet, now God is in the business of changing your constitution by changing your diet. So he sends manna from heaven 40 years to make sure every single molecule of Egypt is out, is purged out. Okay? Now we go and move forward. We go into the good land. Manna ceased. No more manna. But then the people of God began to labor on the land and enjoy the produce of the good land. It's a matter of eating. Move forward to the New Testament. Here comes Jesus. He is. He tells us in the book of John, I am the bread of life. If you have your Bible and if you like these kind of things, verses 50, 51, 52, 53, the Lord Jesus talks about eating. And he uses uh, the common 
Standard word for eating, fago, P-H-A-G-O, fago. Verses 50, 51, 52, 53. When some of the disciples and the Jews began to be kind of offended, because he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he will, what is that? All these religious people, what is that? You know, the Lord Jesus, you, you have to know, he, he's, he's so precious. He's like, we love him. <laughs> love him. Okay? But he's also very tough. He didn't smooth his, his vocabulary. He didn't make it easier. He didn't say, oh, sorry, 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 I meant if you feed on me or if you kind of enjoy me or, you know, something like that. He changed his vocabulary. Right? Verses 54, 56, 57, 58. He used the Greek word trogo. Not fago, trogo, T-R-O-G-O, which means to gnaw like a dog, to chew, to eat with a crunching sound. <laughs> That's what it means, trogo. So in, in John six fifty seven, he says, as the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who trogos me, he will also live because of me. He didn't make it easier for these guys. He wanted to make a point. You, who are so much for God, for the scriptures, for the letter, for doing things for God, for worshiping Him, you have to get this point. God's purpose is fulfilled by you eating me. The tree of life, incarnated, personified. He came down to earth. He's telling us something. Eat me. So, if out of this message and next message, which, which is going to be on the river of water of life, and I encourage you not to miss it, okay? If God cannot gain, you know, a group of people, a group of young people who practice, not just know about it, not just learn about it, not just teach about it, but practice eating Jesus then I just feel, I, I don't know what else to do. I feel I have failed God. I, I, I'm, I don't know, I misrepresented Him. I, I don't know. That is my real burden. You know, you can see, uh, how many, how, Naomi, how many pages of notes I have? How, how, what is the total number? Um, seven. seven pages of notes I want to share with you. But if we don't get... This point across of what God needs to fulfill His purpose is a people who eats Jesus. A people who have a different diet. A people who know how to enjoy the tree of life. A people who practice the primary matter in your church life. Then I just feel God has to do something. He needs to find a group of people that will get the point. Okay? In John chapter 6, even the disciples, the Lord said, you also want to leave? And that's when Peter said, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. But the Lord said, you also want to leave? These words offend you? Right? So we have to ask the Lord for His mercy. Lord, make me a person 
who practices on a regular basis to enjoy you and to eat you as a tree of life. This is the picture in Genesis. Okay? If you are, you know, expecting something deeper, higher out of this message, you, you will be disappointed. This is the message. You and I need to eat the tree of life. Okay? So, <clears throat> with that word, let me just go to a few points here. And, uh, again, I'm limited by time. So, when that clock hits 7.05, no matter where, we are, where am I in these seven pages, I'm going to stop. Okay? And then we, we will give you some time to be in your groups. And I selected carefully what I gave you on the back of your sheet. It's carefully selected so that you will get the main points. Okay? So I trust also in that. Okay, so, um, God's purpose. Okay, may I ask somebody? Okay, who? Ah, I know, you. Okay. What is, in Genesis chapter 1, what is God's purpose, Caitlin? Just quick, just simply, just, you know, what is God's purpose? What we have seen so far, Genesis chapter 1. Has to be transformed? Uh, it has to do with image and dominion. Okay. He wants us to subdue Satan and yes. dominion over the earth. Very good. Uh huh. And then they're ready to image. Daniel can help you. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very good. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Kaylina. <laughs> okay. Genesis 1, basically, what it tells us is, since God created man in his image and likeness and gave him dominion, surely God is after a group of people that will express him and represent him on this earth. Very simple. Okay? But what is the way? How can that be accomplished? Okay, God moves on to chapter 2, and he makes something very interesting. He tells us that he created man as a vessel of three parts. But especially, he created man with a human spirit so that man can receive him. Okay? So he prepares the vessel. And then God shows us his intention by something he does. You have to really pay attention, be, you know, impressed in a fresh way with God's way, God's simplistic way to tell us what he wants. Once he has this vessel, he brings this vessel to a garden, the Garden of Eden. And he puts this vessel in front of the tree of life. And he tells man, you can eat freely of every tree. And he gives him a warning but not of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, this is God's intention. Okay? Now, another thing you have to see is that when God put man in the Garden of Eden, He did not give man just one option. God created you and me with a free will. So, God put man there, and he had two choices. You may wonder why God did this, right? Well, our God is too great, too noble. Only a small person will force you 
will coerce you to take his opinion or his way. But our God is so great. He's so attractive. He's so loving. Right? In a sense, listen to this. He needs the other three to prove that he is great, that he is attractive, and that no matter what Satan does, and no matter what he offers to you, you will still choose him. Because Jesus is so lovely. Even tonight, probably, some of you had multiple choices. You were wondering why I'm here. Why? You know, this proves that you have a free will and you exercise your free will to choose God. And this brings glory to Him. Okay? So today, our Lord will not force anybody. He just presents himself. And I was, you know, as I was preparing this um, message, I was reminded of the verses in John chapter 1. He came to his own, yet his own did not receive him. But as many as received him. You see how God is? He comes to his own. He is not forcing his way. He's not coercing his people. He didn't give man just one option. Okay, here's the tree of life. Just pick that tree of life. There is no more, no, no more options. Okay, so he presented the two options and allowed man to choose. Okay? I think that's very precious from the Lord. Okay, now, uh, moving along. The next thing I, we want to see is that these two trees, okay, represent two sources. Two sources. Okay. Number one, the tree of life is a symbol of God in Christ as life to man. If we only had Genesis chapter 2, it would be hard to explain or to understand what the tree of life is. But when you consider, you know, for instance, the Gospel of John, verse, chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life. And then John chapter 15, I am divine. So he's both life and a tree. He's a life tree. He's a tree of life. Okay? So that's one source. He's the source of life. And there is another source signified by the second tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, the opposite of life is death. So you will expect that that tree should be called the tree of death. But it's not called the tree of death. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, And that shows you something about Satan. Even God is uh, helping us to understand how Satan works. He's very deceiving. He's a tricky guy. He doesn't show himself. He likes to hide on the back. Okay, Anyhow, he is a source of death. So you have these two sources. And then you have two principles. That is two ways of living our human life. The principle of the tree of life is dependence. All things of life create dependency. Okay? For instance, breathing is something of life. Right? How many decades? You know, Paul Bixby, how many decades have you been breathing? Don't don't tell us. But but he has been breathing at least for three decades or four. I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> but Paul has never become an expert in breathing so that he can not, you know, no, no longer need to breathe. He can just teach us about breathing and he doesn't need to breathe. No. <laughs> breathing, you know, he breathes every moment, every day, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and continues to. Okay? The things of life, you know, with the things of life, we never graduate. When we graduate from the things of life, we are dead. Okay? But the principle, in contrast to this, the principle of uh, the tree of knowledge is independence. Okay? That's the principle. Knowledge is good for graduation. Knowledge makes us independent. Okay? I, you know, I went so many years in school. Uh, you can, you also are going through chemical engineer, math, whatever. Eventually, you know, you learn so much that you become independent. Now you can teach others. Okay? Uh, cooking is a good example. You know, I don't know how to cook, but maybe in three months, uh, Carl, Carl is the expert cook. He will teach me. He will teach me to cook three months. After three months, I'm better than you. <laughs> right? I, do no, I no longer need you, Carl. Thank you. I become independent of Carl. Now I cook better than Carl. Right? That's what knowledge does. Why do we like knowledge? Because with knowledge, I can do something. I can be something. Right? Or somebody. Anyhow. <clears throat> okay. Um, how are we doing with time? Maybe I should move on. Uh, two lines, okay, here. So we have two sources, you know, two, two uh, principles, and two lines. Okay, one is the line of life, and that is to live by the triune God as life in our spirit. That's the line of life. Whenever we do that, we are in that line. That is to live by the triune God as life in our spirit. The second line is the line of knowledge. And that is when we live up from ourselves according to our sense of right and wrong. That's the second line. Okay? And guess what? We can trace these two lines throughout the scriptures. And what we mean by lines here in this context is a historical progression from Genesis to the end of the scriptures, according to one of these two principles, is a historical progression. So, for instance, in the Bible we have the line of life, okay? And this line of life include people like Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the prophets of the Old Testament. Then we move to the New Testament, we have the Lord Jesus, we have the apostles, and we have a consummation the New Jerusalem, okay? Then we have the line of knowledge. And unfortunately, this line has a stronger historical testimony in the Scriptures because the majority of the figures in the Bible lived according to that line. Beginning with Cain, who rejected God's way of redemption and devised his own. Then you have... Um, Nimrod and the people of Babel, and you have Nadab, Nadab and Korah, and you have the negative kings, and you have all the religionists in the New Testament, right? You have even the disciples when they were in themselves. 
And then the ones who were opposing the apostle uh, and teaching wrong things. Eventually, you have Antichrist in this line of knowledge, which consummates in the lake of fire. So you have these two lines. Okay? Okay, so uh, I did mention to you how subtle Satan is. And um, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, although ultimately represents Satan as a source of life, it doesn't represent him firstly, but actually the tree of life represents firstly all the things apart from God. Even good and scriptural things, but apart from God. Let me give you a couple of examples. Prayer. Let's say a week ago, you have a very good living anointed prayer card. Every word was anointed. And you were so impressed that even you remember the utterances that came out. A week after, you want to repeat that. And you feel that there is not the same effect. There is not the anointing. There is no life. You are using your knowledge of that experience to apply it today. And therefore, that same prayer has become the tree of knowledge. Do you believe? That is, uh, whenever we apply our knowledge to today's situation, we are turning something into the tree of knowledge. Even the Bible, okay? The Bible can be, as I explained to you earlier, tree of knowledge or a tree of life. It depends. Are you depending on the Lord and exercising your spirit when you come to the Word? If you do... The Bible is a tree of life to you. But if we only exercise our mind and research the scriptures, that Bible becomes to you the tree of knowledge. And the words of the Lord in Matthew and John chapter 5 should be a warning to us. He told the Jews, you search the scriptures, yet you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Even the scriptures can be used by Satan to turn them into a tree of knowledge. Okay? So, never make the Bible a tree of knowledge, but a tree of life. We have to depend on the Lord, have a heart for Him, and exercise our spirit. That's why we have this practice of pray, reading the Scriptures. I have been practicing with Diego. I have been practicing with Sergio. I have been practicing with uh, Philip. All right. I have been practicing with Chris. We have learned, we are learning to turn the scriptures into our prayer. So that the Bible will be a tree of light to us. Okay? You, You wonder how to eat Jesus? This is a way to eat Jesus. When you exercise your spirit to touch the essence of the Bible, which is spirit and life. Okay? Okay, um, question. How do we know when we are in the line of life or in the line of knowledge? How do we know? If it is so subtle, if even my prayer life last week can be turned into a tree of knowledge, even the scriptures can be a tree of knowledge to me, how do I know when I am in the line of knowledge or in the line of life? A good question. 
Just consider for a moment. How do I know? Diego, any guesses? How do I know? When I am in the line of knowledge or in the line of life. Uh huh. Okay. Somebody else? Yes, Elizabeth. I think you know when, like, before, like, you talk every day, you go to the Bible and call upon the name of the Lord. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. So that he can be the expression, he can be his prayer, and your will, his will, is your will, or your will wants to be his will, mm -hmm. and then you know that the Lord speaking and not yourself, and when you don't go upon the name of the Lord, we're too vulnerable in the flesh, mm -hmm. so then we, we, our pride can get in the way, and we can steal the glory of God. Amen. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Somebody else? Okay, Vanya, you okay. Thank you, Elizabeth. That's great. What about setting our mind on the spirit? Setting our mind on the spirit. Okay. Oh, Vanya is touching some, something like symptoms. Something like um, life and peace is something, to some extent, mysterious. That sense of life and peace. Okay. I think, you know, your answers are all very good. The New Testament helps us, especially in a portion like Romans chapter 8 where Paul tells us that we can know in what line we are by a way that is actually quite experiential. It is by the sense, listen to this, or the taste of our spirit. You have a sense or a taste in your spirit, and you can know by that. Romans 8, 6, the mindset on the flesh is dead, the mindset on the spirit is life. Okay? So, this verse points to the fact that in us, there is some indicator. There is an indicator within us that issues from the divine life in our regenerated spirit. Right? That life, that divine life that we receive in our regeneration has that sense, that inner knowing. And by that, it causes us to sense when we are in death or in life. And I would like to illustrate this in a very simplistic way with two bags of two plastic bags containing salt and sugar. A visual inspection of this, you know, it's hard to tell which is what, visually. Maybe the sisters, those who cook a lot, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know brothers. <laughs> but one is kai, one is salt, one is sugar. Visually, it's hard to tell. But we can do a taste test. We can do a taste test. And... You will be mine. It's not poison, it's not, okay, nothing from the lab, it's just from the kitchen. So, can you, Naomi, tell us? Uh, yes. Okay. This is sugar. Oh, this is sugar? Okay, can you try the other one? <laughs> just to make sure. Okay, sugar and salt. 
automatically, spontaneously, she knew what was what. Okay? So is our inner sense of life. I know it is a little uh, mysterious, it's hard to explain, but it is all too real. This is a fact. Within us, we do have such an inner sense or inner knowing of life. So when you are doing something good in and of yourself, and you pay attention to the inner sense, and you feel, you know, weak, empty, or depressed, or kind of darkened, right? All these are the indication of the sense of death, telling you the good you are doing has its source in the tree of knowledge. On the contrary, if you are attached to the tree of life and you do something, then you will have a sense of life and peace and buoyancy and joy and brightness. All these are an indicator of the sense of life. It's very, very experiential. Okay. Uh, As I told you, I was going to stop at 7.05. I am so sorry that you're going to get it. The the triangular. Let me just mention this quickly. (laughs) That scene. I need three brothers. Okay. These three. That scene in Genesis. Okay. With the three. I mean, this is man. And these are the two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So man has a choice. That same triangular situation has moved, has migrated into us. It's residing in you. Okay, how did we, how did it happen? Well, this part of the triangle, man, is just by creation. We're just human beings. Okay, then as we fell, we got this second tree in us, Mm -hmm. the sinful nature of Satan. But when we repented and we confessed the Lord's name and we received eternal life, this tree, the third part of the triangle, got into us. So now every day and every moment of every day, every child of God is faced, is confronted with this triangular situation. And that will determine how you live, how you walk, how you work in your Christian life. Okay? Thank you, brothers. And that's all I have. Well, I have more, but anyhow...